I always say that you never know what is going on behind people's closed doors. And certainly this week, I think we've all been shocked by the death of Jamie Kenny, as reported on Nine News last night. Lisa Curry has shared her grief following the death of her daughter, Jamie Kenny, the former swimming champion, posting a message to Instagram describing her daughter as so loved, so beautiful, so kind to everyone. Her heartbreak so painful, she can barely breathe. Jamie's father, former Ironman, and Grant Kenny yesterday announced their daughter had lost her battle with a long-term illness on the Sunshine Coast. It's believed the 33-year-old had been receiving treatment for an eating disorder just months before her death. And page six and seven today's Corey Mail, so many happy family and mum and daughter pictures there of Jamie. I know, but what does it actually mean to live with an eating disorder or in fact try and treat someone who has one? Well, Mel is a dear friend of mine and she knows all about it and she joins us. Morning, Mel. Hey, how are you going? Good. Now, lovely, you work with people with eating disorders and you have for a number of years. Can you tell us about what it's like for these people and their families? Because I don't think a lot of people understand. Oh, look, I think you're right, Robin. I think that this is a 24-7 struggle for not only people with eating disorders, but also their family and loved ones who are drawn into this disease, whether they like it or not. And it's one of those diseases that once you're in, it's really, really difficult to get out. How many people are we talking? about? Millions. And that's the people that have got a diagnosis. It always pains me to think of how many people have disordered eating that won't ever meet diagnostic criteria, but are engaging in some really dangerous behaviours in order to try to control body weight and shape mechanisms. Whether it be in home or treatment, say as a dad who's watching a daughter, for example, who's suffering from this at the time, there must be just no way to help. You're watching someone saying, I can't understand why you're doing this. I I can't understand how to get you to, I guess the word is snap out of it. The reality is Um, It would be lovely to say snap out of it, but I think this disease doesn't respond too well to threat. Other than if somebody becomes medically or psychiatrically compromised, then obviously we can implement treatment authorities to keep them safe. But it's a disease that the person's got to have some aspect of motivation to want to get better. How does it manifest? What does it look like day to day? How it looks like day to day is intense anxiety around the food aspect. So if you are recovering or in a facility, that's six meals a day. So that's three main meals and three snacks. So you can imagine having an intense fear of food and yet we subject our patients to six bouts of eating a day and part of that is actually almost exposing them to that fear so that they can actually push through it because the food is actually not negotiable and not the enemy. It's often what's going on in their head. So if they're not in a facility, what is happening in the outer real world where families are involved? Look, the reality is I don't know too many people that get out of this disease without some professional intervention or support. So what I would be strongly urging people to do is to link in with eating disorder trained health professionals, a dietitian, a psychologist and a GP or a psychiatrist to manage the medical side of things. And that's at a bare minimum. That's not taking into consideration any other complementary treatments. And that is an ongoing battle. We've just fought really hard to have 50 sessions of Medicare a year because that's the enormity of it. Before it was only 10. So Mel, just tell me, I'm trying to understand because if there are people listening now who fear that their children are maybe losing weight or have issues around food, what are some of the things that they should be looking for? about the weight aspect is that we really have a lot of focus on weight and yes on the one hand 
weight can tell us something's happening, but it's often how we approach that subject of weight as to whether we get resistance or maybe an invitation in. So if parents are concerned, have a conversation. Terry, you mentioned something earlier about understanding. I think that's the absolute key in getting parents on board. This disease will shut you out as a loving parent in seconds, and that's the part of the first thing we would work with any parent is to get them to understand the role and the function of their child's eating disorder. Because you want to fight the self-loathing aspect, don't you? You love your child. You you want them to love themselves. Yeah, and I think you've nailed it, Terry, that at the end of the day, the majority of people with eating disorders have zero self-worth and zero sense of self because the eating disorders eroded that part of them away. It's there, but that's what I think treatment's about. Treatment is about finding that part of themselves who even remotely cares about recovery and building that person up. And of course, you have to challenge the eating disorder aspect because that's the part that often parents see with the lying and the hoarding of food. It's a really, really difficult situation to approach from a parent when you get absolute denial, when you've almost witnessed somebody feed the dog and they've looked at you straight in the face and said, no, I've eaten that. So it's eating disorder really wants to throw families offside and disable them so that the eating disorder has their um, child all to itself. And I guess the other thing is, which is what the Jamie Kenny situation has highlighted, is that people die. It's the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric condition. And when I think about how many people are dieting in this quest for some weight loss salvation, you're automatically putting yourself at risk of developing an eating disorder And that's not including the predisposition to risk factors like the personality and temperament traits, trauma. We've really got a lot to do in our health and wellbeing messages because there are people dying who actually get that message incredibly wrong. And I think people think it's a teenager's disease, but Jamie was 33. Are there women, men, young girls, older people just struggling for long periods of time? Well, certainly in my experience, we have everything from, you know, your 12, 13, 14, 15-year-olds to women in their 60s that have probably had bouts of some sort of recovery, but they are always living in this bubble of weight and shape control mechanisms that really impacts their life in detrimental ways to their health and well-being. It's not just an adolescent disease. Eating disorders and disordered eating affect over 16 million Australians. Whoa. That's a huge statistic. It is, Mel, and you're doing the tough work out there every day. Thanks for shining some light on that for us today and get your research if you're a parent, yep. Yeah, please reach out for support. Um, There is support out there. It's a long journey, but I'm testament that it's worth it. So please go and reach out for support. Thanks, Mel. No dramas. Just a side point there, watch out for lowlifes with fake fundraising pages. Apparently one of them has happened overnight. And the Butterfly Foundation are some of the people that can help you. Their number, by the way, is one eight hundred double three four six seven three. And if you or anyone you know needs some help, Lifeline is around 24-7, 13, 11, 14.